This is Three Valleys Radio. It's Friday night, 7 o'clock. It's time for the Bresbet Racing Show. And on the show tonight, we've got Fergal O'Brien, Richard Phillips, Mick Fitzgerald, Jamie Snowden, Nick Schofield, Colin Brown, Milton Harris, and Dave Wilson. Plus all the news and fixtures. And maybe the odd surprise guest as well. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the racing show. It's A.D. Hopper here in my usual chair at the usual time. And we're going to kick straight off, as we always do, with Mr. Mike Padden and all the news. Hello and a warm welcome along to this week's edition of the Racing News, brought to you with all the news from the racing media. That includes Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden and here's this week's first story. Unbeaten chaser Lorne Presse will bid to land his first Grade 1 on Saturday when he takes on a potential field of five rivals in the Virgin Bet Silly Isles Novices Chase at Sandown on 220. A winner on all three starts over fences, the Venetia Williams-trained runner cruised to victory on his first step up to graded company in the Dipper Novices Chase on New Year's Day under Charlie Deutsch. The impressive tent-length success pushed him into the frame for the Cheltenham Festival, for which he is 7-1 to one with bookmakers for the Turner's Novices Chase, and L'Ompresse could enhance his credentials further with success in Saturday's Grade 1 feature. The seven-year-old could face a dangerous challenger in Pick Dorhey, one of the leading novice lights for Paul Nichols, and a ready winner of the Howden Knoll Novices Chase at Ascot in December. The 2020 Betfair Hurdle winner has made an auspicious start to chasing, only failing to win once in three starts when falling in the Berkshire Novices Chase in November. Adrimel will make his first grade if novice chase start for trainer Tom Lacey after a storming to a resounding 15th length victory in December in first time blinkers following a disappointing effort in an Exeter chase earlier that month which was won by the re-opposing Jane Williams trained gladiator Allen. Nicky Henderson, who has won the Silly Isles a record six times, could bid for another success with Mr Coffey, while Richard Hobson-trained Fugitive completes the entries. Sandown's weekend card also includes the Grade 3 Virgin Bet Heroes Handicap Hurdle at 2.55, which could feature the return of Lanzarote third Call Me Lord. He could take on recent winners Dolphin Square and Orbeez Legend for trainer Philip Hobbs. The two-mile, seven-and-a-half furlong race also includes the interesting addition of 2020 Glenfarclas chase winner Easy Sland, who is making his first start for John Joe O'Neill and could be setting up another tilt at the festival cross-country feature on March 16th. 
At Weatherby, Ahoy Senor is set to make his final start ahead of the festival in the Grade 2 William Hill Towton Novices Chase at 2.30 against a potential field of nine rivals that include the Kim Bailey-trained Does He Know and Sam Palais, who is unbeaten over fences for the yard of Richard Bandy. The Lucinda Russell-trained seven-year-old, who was a recent runner-up to Brave Man's Game on Boxing Day, is priced at 8-1 to one for the Brown Advisory Novices Chase and also holds a Gold Cup entry at 66-1. to one. Along with Sandown and Weatherby, ITV will also broadcast action from Musselburgh, which hosts a seven-race card that features the Edinburgh National at 3.45, where Russell will be aiming to land another blow on Saturday with Scottish National winner Mighty Thunder. He could take on old stablemate and Welsh National runner-up Highland Hunter, who now runs for Paul Nichols. And our next story here on the Racing News... The parent company of Ladbrokes and Coral is investing £40 million in an innovation hub in London, tasked with developing technology products for the virtual reality metaverse. It is part of a wider £100 million global investment by Entain, whose ambition is to be a leader in interactive entertainment. The project is the latest example of the group's pivot away from its roots in the traditional betting industry, which has taken place under Chief Executive Jete Nygaard Anderson, who has spoken in the past of Entain being a, quote, a global entertainment company. The first dedicated lab of Entain's Innovate project will be located in London's Charterhouse Square in Farringdon housing members of Entain's innovation technology team alongside commercial and not-for-profit partners. Technology companies working with the project include Verizon, BT and Theta Labs. The hub is due to open this spring with plans to develop entertainment products including those for the metaverse, which is a virtual reality world in which people will be able to interact in a computer-generated environment and which is attracting increasing interest from both technology companies and business. The company is looking to enter into the controversial world of non-fungible tokens or NFTs, unique digital collectible assets, which Entain is developing for brands across the group. Entain said it was also looking to, quote, make immersive experiences available to customers on the high street and plan to open two virtual reality arcades later in the year. Nygaard Anderson said, we want to lead the way with new, exciting products and experiences for customers and use our cutting-edge technology to pioneer innovations in sport, gaming and interactive entertainment for the metaverse. Entain also said it wanted the technology and innovations being developed at its hub to deliver environmental and societal benefit, with not-for-profit partners having access to expertise and working space, along with additional support and funding through Innovate. Nygaard Anderson added, We also want to use our position as a global technology leader to help drive innovation more widely. Working with our partners around the globe, Innovate will demonstrate how Entain's industry-leading technology can both revolutionise experiences for consumers and deliver real benefits to society. And next up, here on the Racing News. The hottest jockey in the country right now has just lost his £5 claim. The 23-year-old Theo Gillard is having a breakthrough season, with more winners this term than in the previous seven combined, and is currently on a hot streak of five wins from seven rides. 
That sometimes happens to jockeys working for Inform Yards, and there's no doubt that Gillard is benefiting from being attached to the Donald McCain stable that has been flying along for months. But their current run is the more impressive, because those five winners were not hot favourites with everything in their favour. They were returned at 16 to 1, 12 to 1, 10 to 1, 10 to 1 again, and 7 to 1. Gillard told the front runner, I'm delighted with how things are going. The way the horses are running, it's a lot easier to ride winners. Last season was probably my first real season properly, if you like. This season, Touchwood, I've stayed injury free and everything seems to be snowballing. Eight winners from 27 rides since New Year's Day make this easily the best month of Gillard's young career, although he was out of luck aboard Man Insane, his only ride of the day in the opening race at Hereford on Monday. All this success matters, not just because it vindicates the young man's lifelong commitment to a career in the saddle. He said, I've always wanted to be a jockey. If I had to give up tomorrow, I'd have no idea what I'd do. It also means that for the first time, Gillard holds bragging rights over his younger brother, 19-year-old Fergus, who's based 200 miles away with David Pipe. He had a really good first couple of seasons riding, says older brother. It's been a bit steadier this season. So there's some competition between the two of you? He says there isn't at the minute, Gillard responds wryly, but I'm sure there probably is. Apparently, there was plenty made of how things were going last season when the boot was on the other foot. He's a really good rider, yeah, you'd be happy for each other. But there's a bit of competition there as well, because that's brotherly love, isn't it? We're both quite tall, and a lot of people say we ride similar. Obviously, I'm based in the north, and he's based in the south. That's the only difference we have. He's probably a lot more well-spoken than me, better at interviews, and that sort of thing. How did that happen? I don't really know. I'm a bit of a black sheep, to be honest. I came up north when I was 16, and I've sort of evolved into what I am from being up here this long. The pair grew up at the Dorset base of their father, Mark Gillard, who has supplied both with occasional winners. Us kids shared a pony growing up, and then we got a racing pony and shared him as well. I was no good at school, and as soon as I finished there, I came straight up to Donald, because I knew the McCains through pony racing. Gillard must surely be amongst the tallest of jockeys at six foot three, and the front runner is, amazingly enough, not the first to suggest that the basketball court might have been a better choice. He reports that he has his weight under control, but nevertheless directly impacted by the planned end to the £3 allowance, which has provoked such controversy. With the allowance, you're going to the races in a better frame of mind. You're not wasting all the time, he says. Until Covid times came along, he had a pretty serious sauna habit. It was daft, really, he said. You get in the saunas Sundays, even if you had top weight, just because you were in the habit of getting in it every day. Life will be dead tough with no £3 allowance and no saunas at the track. Well, on the other hand, his claim is about to be reduced from £5 to £3, a competitive disadvantage, but at least it will be easier for him to do the weight. He said, it's going to be difficult if I'm going to have to raise my minimum weight, or I'm going to have to start wasting loads again. I don't know if they're reversing the decision about the allowance, but I'd like it if they did, and I know plenty of other lads who would do too. And our final story on this week's racing news. 
Aidan Coleman hailed Paisley Park a champion after the 2019 Stayers Hurdle Hero came from last to first in a dramatic third success in the Welsh Marches Stallions at Chapel Stud Cleave Hurdle. Now a 10-year-old, Paisley Park gave the opposition a sizeable head start after coming close to not consenting to set off, sacrificing as much as 15 lengths to his rival as he momentarily planted before eventually sailing past all four of them in the closing stages to register a heartwarming victory. Despite ITV pundit Ruby Walsh saying he would have turned back to the paddock having seen Paisley Park drop anchor, Aidan Coleman recovered the situation and went in pursuit of his rivals. Slowly clawing back the deficit, he was just about backing contention at the top of the hill and turning for home he started to take aim at Lisnagar, Oscar, Champ and McFabulous. Closing in on the leaders after the second last, he jumped to the front at the final hurdle before sprinting away from Stayer's hurdle favourite Champ to register a brilliant but bizarre big race victory. Coleman said, he has that in him. He's nearly done that a couple of times and eagle eye viewers will have seen it. Just before the tape went across, I gave him a yank and a belt down the neck to say, come on, I know what you're thinking and he still did it. This is really special. The longevity of this horse is a testament to his ability and his character. He takes all the plaudits. I literally threw the buckle at him after we went to the first and said, if you want to get into it, you do it. I'm not doing anything. You've really annoyed me, so you sort it out. I said to Paddy Brennan at the top of the hill, I'm still in it, even though I whipped around. He's just different around this track, and regardless of what's gone before or after, this is very special for a multitude of reasons, mainly because of how much of a champion he is. Coral will now go 8-1 to one from 33 about Paisley Park, regaining the Stayers Hurdle crown, with Champ Ease to 5-1 to one from 11-4 to four for the same race. Last year's winner, Flooring Porter, now heads the betting at a general 7-2. to two. Walsh, who won the Stayers Hurdle five times in a glittering career in the saddle, including four times with the Mighty Big Bucks, told ITV viewers that in the situation Coleman found himself at the start, you just give up and come back into the parade ring. He's running around now in a race he can't possibly win, but held his hands up after the race. He added, fair play to Aidan Coleman. It's lucky Aidan Coleman was riding him and not Ruby Walsh, because I would have given up. But hey, it just goes to show you should never give up. Having delighted the crowd, Paisley Park, who is owned by Andrew Gemmell, was given a hero's welcome as he returned to the winner's enclosure and trainer Emma Lavelle likened the reception to the festival itself. She said, It felt like the festival with that kind of noise and the cheers. It means so much that people have taken to him the way they have, and I tried to convey that to everybody there. We're so lucky to have him. I just said, thank you, for their support means so much. If ever there's a horse to be willed up the hill, it's probably just him. We didn't think it was going to be soft enough, but it was still stamina sapping. He got his head down, and that really was the proper Paisley. We haven't seen that for a while. It was great. All roads lead to the Paddy Powers Stayers Hurdle, and a likely rematch with Champ for the winner. Although Lavelle admitted Paisley Park would not be able to give the same amount of ground away at the start come the big one in March.
With only five runners today, it gave a little bit more room for that manoeuvre, the trainer said. You're not going to get five runners in the stayers, and under those circumstances, I'd imagine we will have him in and around horses, and he'll just jump off with them. It's never been a problem, but it's something that you've always imagined might just lurk. Aidan was ready for it, but I don't think he expected it in quite the way it happened, and I think he will be more ready for it next time. Paying a heartfelt tribute to a stable star, she added, it's been an extraordinary journey, and what he's done for us is immeasurable. He loves to test you all the way, but we owe him so much. This has been the Racing News, with all the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, the Racing Post, and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden, thanks for listening, and join us again next time. And now it's time to find out where we can go racing this weekend. So we'll start with seven races over the jumps at Sandan at 12.40. Seven races over the jumps at Weatherby with the first race at 12.50. Seven races over the jumps at Musselburgh with a 12.57 start. Seven races over the jumps at Leopardstown in Ireland with a 105 start. Seven races over the flat uh, at Lingfield with a 111 start. And that's, of course, on the all-weather. And seven races on the flat at Kempton, also on the all-weather with a 4.55 start. And then we'll flip to Sunday, when we've got eight races over the jumps at Leopardstown with a 12.45 start. Seven races over the jumps at Musselburgh with a one o'clock start. And six races over the flat uh, at Kempton on the all-weather with a 1.40 start. One of the real bonuses of getting involved in a radio station and a programme such as this is that uh, you get to meet lots of nice people or at least you talk to them over the phone anyway but in some cases you actually meet them face to face i was lucky enough to meet up with a gentleman who's possibly better known as the mike yarwood of racing uh, for those of you who can remember mike yarwood uh he was a an impressionist and uh, this gentleman concerned is also a bit of an impressionist on the quiet and joining me tonight is a flat and national hunt trainer richard phillips well good evening richard appreciate you coming on but it's all colin brown's fault because as i've told you he's the one who recommended you apparently you're the mike yarwood of racing well i have been known to mimic a few people i must admit but i can't do colin brown i couldn't be that bad but no um I, yeah i can most of people i do now are dead unfortunately so that's not a great <laughs> help but anyway i used to do a few voices yeah can you do um frankie de Tori, for example i can i was uh to, hey, like a cockney italian isn't he yeah. you know I'm, I'm so pleased not it made me proud to be english <laughs> you know so he's um i actually spoke at frankie de Tori's 30th birthday party in Newmarket would you believe and oh, took the mickey out of him all night which everyone likes apart from him oh is, is he not got a sense of humour then <laughs> yeah he's a great bloke yeah I'm sure he is I'd love to meet him I'm better still I'd love to get him on the show but that's another story yeah he's a remarkable man yeah. and um, a remarkable jockey mm, I think you're right there yeah when you look at his you know look at it what is he 50 odd now I think isn't he? he's over 50 isn't he now yeah he's getting there yeah. yeah so you know I mean apart from the fitness elements you know he's still riding winners like they're going out of style I think it's brilliant but, you know I think he's, uh, he's he's brilliant on the big day as well and um, yeah a lot of young jockeys should copy how he rides he hardly ever uses the stick yeah. or the whip or whatever you want to call it yeah yeah no that's a good point but uh, as far as you're concerned Richard um, you were born down next to Ascot Racecourse I understand Epsom actually Epsom was it sorry got the wrong one 
Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. They're uh, not far away, though. But no, I, I was lucky enough to be bought in the Apton Race Course. <laughs> lucky enough to have the um, love of horse racing ever since I was a little lad. I was about a six-year-old kid. Well, let's go I back told to that. My father that. wanted to be a racehorse trainer since I was six. So uh, he used to take me up to Epsom Downs with my brothers. Yeah. Um, and we'd see Lester Big up from about four or five yards away. And I used to think, this is very exciting. I'll do this for the rest of my life. So I'd be quite lucky. So you were six years old and you'd really reached that conclusion already yep loved it that's amazing isn't it didn't want to be a jockey I come along like a school teacher so I probably just like telling people what to do really but, yeah um, yeah but I think um, it, my job is really like being the headmaster of school really yeah uh, training a racehorse and um, the people who ride them in the morning the teachers uh, horses are the pupils and the owners are the parents and it's not much more complicated than that really but if you've got bright kids it makes you look a very good trainer and headmaster if you've, got, <laughs> if you've not got some bright ones um, it, it, it's a slightly harder job but it's no less satisfying it's a very good comparison I've never thought of it yeah. but uh, I, you know I can sympathise with it because both my parents were teachers as well so uh, I, I had to put up with that for my whole of my uh, school days anyway yeah. so it was a bit of a you know you were, no, no you, you were always under the spotlight all the time that was the problem and I, I yeah. wasn't I wasn't the um I wasn't the most academically bright, shall we say. Uh, I, I was well. I suppose I was, but I was just bone idle half the time. That was the problem. I think it was only when well, I got. I've got, I've got horses like that. I'd uh, probably put some headgear on you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah, nice yeah. sheepskin <laughs> nose band. I'd find one of them and put one on. Yeah. <laughs> um, Keep your head down. Yeah. Before I before I forget, occasionally I'm going to say to you. <laughs> hold it there Richard it's just our somewhat primitive way I've edited it and then I can leave a gap to put some music in so if I do it's just a question of you saying keep quiet for a minute and then I'll I'll get you going again okay Okay, no problem. Right. So, um, yeah, so we're, we're six years old. We've decided that we want to get into horse racing. So presumably then you didn't want to have the hag of, of getting up at six o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning to ride out then. You wanted to be the boss man and you could roll up at nine o'clock then, basically. No, I'm afraid it's not like that. Um, you're there probably before the people turn up at five o'clock, really. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the rider's life's a lot easier, I think. It's worrying about everything else. It's the hardest job. I know that as a trainer, but... Um, no, but I've always enjoyed um, directing the horses' careers, as it would be like a like a young child, really. Yeah. Um, building up, building up their confidence, and building up their fitness, and um, finding out their ability and putting a, putting them against opposition they can beat. That's the job, really. So they have a good life. So um, and the racehorse's life is a great one. So it's a very rewarding job. Yeah. Is is the you know the whole training presario? Is it? Um, is it a question of how you train them, i.e. the techniques that you use to train them, or is it more a question of placing the horses in the right races so you get the best out of the horse? It's, it's a bit of everything, really, but um, Richard Pittman wrote a great book, um, Martin Pike's Biography, and if you read it, there's three great chapters. One chapter on getting horses fit, which Martin Pike was ahead of his game at and basically made them 100% fit, where I think in the past some trainers hadn't got them 100% fit. And there's a great chapter on um, form of horses, so making sure they're into good horses they can actually beat, um, and putting the children in the right exams. If they're only good at woodwork, don't put them in a biology A level. And another great chapter is on health. So um, Martin Bike was one of the first people to use blood testing, etc. So hematology and 
Um, you know, he's ahead of his time in many respects. And yeah. uh, when he wrote that book with Richard Pittman, uh, we all read it and copied him. And funny enough, um, everyone caught up with him. And then he realised that, and then retired and left it to his son to do. <laughs> uh, cut a long story short. Um, yeah, fitness, health, against opposition, you can beat. Mm. Um, so going back to when you were six years old and you made this decision in your mind you were going to get into horse racing how did it develop from there I mean you were obviously you, you're going to go for, did you do sort of pony trials and stuff like that well no funny enough um, my father was a civil servant in Whitehall so it's quite a long way from being a racehorse trainer really but he, he was a real countryman and yeah. um, I was lucky to work in a little stables after school as a child uh, earned my sort of three could a week and looked, taught how to ride and do that and I was obsessed with horses and I wanted to be a vet only because I thought that's the easiest way of being a racehorse trainer if your father's a civil servant but I spelt physics with an F <laughs> I was no good at it. I was like you at school yeah, yeah. so um, I did what Norman Tebbit told me to do yeah. get on my bike and look for work but I didn't have a bike so I ran and I luckily I knocked on the doors of Fred Winter and Fort Warwinter the great trainers of all time Yeah, and um, they didn't have a job but luckily I responded to a an advert in the paper and um, with a man called Graham Thorner who yeah. Colin Brown and know very well he was a champion jockey yeah I remember and a great name. man yeah. and um, I um, left school to work for him yeah um, then I went to a place called Whitney College where a lot of people in the racing world went to as it was at the time the only horse course in the in the, country, in the world no more in the country yeah um, and then I went worked for a man called Henry Candia <laughs> great flat trainer in the Lambourne area after that and then set on my own so I was lucky I left school to to work for two great mentors and um, mm. everyone needs great mentors as well so I was, I was sent in the right direction it's interesting you went to Henry Candy because I've got um well, I say I've got. I'm part of a, a, a syndicate called Hot to Trot, and um, oh. they had a, a very good horse. Last year wasn't so good, but the year before they had a great horse called Heartwarming. Um, yes. No, sorry. Was it Heartwarming? I can't think what it's called. A heartache. It was something like that. Heartwarming, heartache. I can't remember. It's something like that. Uh, it won a couple of races. Henry Candy trained it. Um, and he, no, no. Sorry, I got it wrong. I got it wrong. It was Clive Cox trained it, but Henry Candy had. Uh, another one which was in the syndicate as well which I've lost the name of it now it's completely left me but anyway he did very well he won a listed race and uh he, he was he was a really uh, bright one he was a good horse um so uh yeah I, I've got a lot of time for Henry Candy for what he did with that horse and nothing else so yeah well Henry's been training half a century now so um and he's uh and if he survived that long he got to be pretty good and uh yeah he's a great horseman yeah. and a great man to work for yeah yeah definitely so because I because I you know I mean I can't afford to get involved in horse racing much as I'd like to uh, and the only real way that I can do it is to do something like uh like to trot which i found you know great fun i have to say um you know you yeah get... i mean 80 percent of racehorse are run by syndicates these days and you know and hopefully that will increase and increase because um you don't have to be a millionaire to share a racehorse so no, um no. it's getting more and more accessible and the more people who get involved the better yeah absolutely 
Well, that was trainer Richard Phillips. And if you want to hear the whole of the interview, uh, you need to check out uh, www.streetvalleysradio.com and go to our podcast section where you'll be able to find a podcast of the interview. Now it's time to have a chat with Fergal O'Brien, who hit the Magic 100 for the second year running on Saturday. Right, Fergal, good uh, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for joining us on the show. Um, it's good to speak to somebody who's also involved with Bresbet. Uh, thank you very much, and thanks for having me on. <laughs> No, well, it's uh, and it's nice to, to catch you on uh, at a time when you you hit the big hundred on Saturday, did you not? Yeah, we did. We we got our hundred winner of the season at uh, Cheltenham with Imperial Alcazar, so it's uh, lovely to do it there because you know it's our local track and uh, well, it's, whether it's your local track or not, it's always great to have a winner at Cheltenham. So uh, you know, we were delighted with that. Yeah. No, I saw you cel- celebrate. I was watching on the TV, and uh, the owners looked suitably impressed as well. So that was okay. Yeah. No, Ian Robertson, who who uh, runs at Imperial. Ray- Racing with, with Paul Costa, but Ian's been, you know, Ian started uh, Imperial Racing after Imperial Commander won the Gold Cup, and um, it's a great syndicate, you know, they, they keep people well informed, and they got nice horses, you know, Ian boys and as youngsters as store horses. Kevin Ross breaks them in and and uh, and gets them going, and, and then they're sent out to their various trainers. So um, yeah, it looks it's, it's a, it's a well oiled machine, and uh, and they do a good job. But like you say, Ian's been with me from from, from when I started. He had a horse for me, so. Uh, I'm very grateful for them for all their support and it was lovely to get uh, to, to do to get the 100 for them yeah and of course you've got a, a well established jockey as well in Paddy Brennan I mean he's been going for a while now and, and it loads of winners to his name so that must be good yeah, look, I'm very lucky that Paddy. I don't think anyone can under you, you, you couldn't overstate what a massive part of uh, of the yard that Paddy is. You know, it's it's he, he's you know he's a huge driving force behind all our winners, and you know between selecting races and riding tactics, whether he's riding them or whether the boys are riding them, mm. uh, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's he's he's a he's a proper team player, and you know that's uh, that's the great thing about him. Yeah, no, most definitely, he's, he's and he's a nice chap as well, which. Helps. Um, now, our show goes out on a, a Friday night. Um, can you can you talk vaguely about your winner, your runners on on this coming Saturday? I mean, obviously, I know it's a bit early for Saturday, and you might you might not run them all. But if you could uh, give our listeners a bit of a clue as to what you've got going Saturday and whether they're whether they're likely to win. Um, yeah, yeah, so Captain Cavanstock would probably go up to um he'll probably go up to, to Kelso for the uh, sorry, I'll show Musselburgh for the for the Edinburgh National. Yeah. Um he, he, he won a form one hundred chase round uh Cheltenham last year. He loved the nicer ground. Track might not be totally in his favour, but the ground and the trip will um will definitely be in his favour, so Yeah. we're very happy with him, so he he'll go up there. Um and I'll have a couple at uh, at Sandown. We'll have two at two, two in the big hurdle race. So we'll have uh, on a gathering storm. We'll have an entry there uh, as will Astillan. Now Astillan will probably need a bit of rain for him to run. Um, I think if it doesn't rain, I think on a gathering storm could take up his took it could take his chances there. I think he's very well handicapped. His other option over the weekend is to go to Musselburgh for a, a pretense final qualifier, which he'd he'd have to win. You have to finish in the first six to qualify, but he'd have to win to get into it because he, need, he probably needs to grow five or six pounds. Right. right. Um, so, so you know, we might be better off just taking dead aim. It's a, it's a massive pot at Sandown. If it's good ground, I think he'll love it around there. 
and uh, yeah fingers crossed uh, that's where he'll go also got Paint the Dream who's in great form he's in a Weatherby over two mile three I think a flat track round there and you know uh, he's a bit like Imperial Command uh, Imperial Alcazar in the fact that he likes to just let's bowl along and, and do his own thing and you know when we ride him over three miles we have to hang on to him a little bit and we ride him over two you're always forced to do it yeah. two miles three almost two miles four is an ideal trip for him he can kind of can literally just drop his hands and he can he can use he's got a big stride he's a good jumper so um, yeah so look we're, 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 they're, they're our ones for the weekend that, I, that I'm looking forward to anyway yeah yeah, yeah. now obviously uh, it's, it's not Cheltenham yet but it's it's, it's you know slowly creeping up on us um, you've obviously got a few entries lined up for Cheltenham are they all looking good at this stage of the season uh, yeah, if it didn't look good, now you'd be worried, wouldn't you? <laughs> so, yeah, look, I'm looking forward to it. We've got Ponte and Poetic Music in the bumper, and um, you know we'll hopefully have a few for the pretemps. Um, not really sure where um, Alcazar and Pierre Alcazar would go yet. We need to speak to, I think, the, the sort of handicap, the two-mile-four handicap. Like, that's probably his trip, you know. Yeah. I think he will get I think he does get three miles but in those good races that 2-4 is ideal for him you know um, and you're not sort of having to take him back and save but you know so um, but like last year I think the last four or five years the winners of the, the 2 mile 4 handicap have all been in the one one forty four or one forty five. you know we're going to be 155 you know so yeah. but anyway look that, that's uh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it and uh, you know like I said we'll have a few for the pretemps and uh, hopefully Look, we'd love to get a winner. We'd love to get that. that love to get that, that that done. You know, we've we've had two two consecutive seasons with a hundred winners, a uh, hundred plus winners. Yeah. So it would be lovely. To, to, it would just be nice to get that that um that yeah that that festival winner would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, I wish you all the best for that. Anyway, that was Fergal O'Brien who joined us on the show after reaching his second one hundred winners in a season. Sweet, sweet memories you gave. Me. You can't beat the memories you gave of me. Take one fresh and tender kiss. Well, it's time for our memories section again, and this time we're going to have a look at the 1999 Cheltenham Gold Cup, won, of course, by Seymour Business. Listed. So the Blue Ribbon Chasing's best race is underway. It's the Tote Cheltenham Gold Cup, three and a quarter miles, 22 fences, and on the run to the first, Dorland's Pride is taking the race to them. Senior Obertruti and Sunny Bay, the inside. They're at the first now. Those three were in the air together, all safely over unsinkable boxer last. Come down towards the second, and it's Senior Obertruti that just edges the lead here. To Dorland's Pride and Sunny Bay, and then on the outside is Double Thriller. Seymour Business and Simply Dashing as Carter Fegan, Tilton Mill, and and then uh, behind these we've got Go Ballistic on the inside of Addington Boy with Florida Pearl and Unsinkable Boxer a little bit remote early on. But a long, long way to go. They're only through the first quarter mile on a strong pace set by Senior Obertruti, the local hero. To Doran's Pride sitting in second and Sunny Bay third. And then we've got in fourth place Double Thriller. Simply Dashing and Seymour Business and then goes Teton Mill. Down the hill they go to fence number three, Senior Obertruti on the inside of Doran's Pride from Sunny Bay double thriller. Out wide, left a picture is Seymour Business in the light green sleeve jacket, followed by Simply Dashing and Niscata Feig. Florida Pearl held up towards the rear by Richard Dunwoody as they race on towards the water. Teton Mill towards the inside at the moment, over the water there. The back markers, Addington Boy and a very patiently ridden, unsinkable boxer. Now an open ditch coming up as they gallop towards it. It's number five and it's Senor Elba Trudy from Doran's Pride and Seymour 
business and double thriller. Sunny Bay towards the inside from Teton Mill and Go Ballistic and Simply Dashing. And then Escada Feig as they continue along towards another plane one. And three in the air together there. Slight mistake by Sunny Bay. Just pushed along on landing as they now make a slight left-hand turn up the hill. And it's Doran's Pride on the outside of Double Thriller and Senor Elbertruti and Seymour Business. This is an open ditch, a big one. And the leaders take it safe. A mistake by Teton Mill there. That's very unusual. He was awkward at that. And Sunny Bay got a slap down the neck on landing. On towards another plane fence. And it's Double Thriller from Doran's Pride. And then Senor Elbertruti towards the inside of Seymour Business who was really booted into that one. Sunny Bay is next. Unsinkable boxer is quite badly detached at the rear of the field under Tony McCoy. Must be a good 15 or 20 lengths off the pace, which is now being set by Double Thriller with Doran's Pride alongside. And then Seymour Business from Senor Elbertruti simply dashing Escarta Feig as they take the fence to the top of the hill and the leaders take it safely. Addington Boys won from last. Unsinkable boxer, the back marker. Amazing patient race uh, by Tony McCoy, an unsinkable boxer, the relative novice in this event. As they come down the hill, this will be uh, three out next time round, and Teton Mill is being pulled up. Teton Mill is out of the race, so they continue the run down the far side, and it's uh, Double Thriller who has it. Doran's Pride, Paul Carberry looks round, and uh, Simply Dashing makes a bit of ground under pressure, gets one or two reminders, head down towards the turn into the home straight for the first time, and past their point of departure shortly, and it's Doran's Pride in the lead to on the inside double thriller they go one and two Seymour Business is in third place and then Sunny Bay with Simply Dashing up on the outside a horse that finishes Senor Obertruti the inner and then go Ballistic and Escada Feig and uh, then Florida Pearl Teton Mill and Norman Williamson's got off him so clearly the horse is a problem they come down towards fence number 12 this is the last next time round Seymour Business rather reached for it they're starting to punch with a circuit to go in the Toad Cheltenham Gold Cup and it's Double Thriller, the inside of Doran's Pride, Seymour Business, Simply Dashing, Senor Petruti. And uh, then behind these, we've got uh, Go Ballistic, followed by Sunny Bay, who gets reminders. Uh, an unsinkable boxer is losing his pitch again, having been tacked on the uh, tail end of a Scarda Fegan, Florida Pearl, who are still in arrears. He's suddenly starting to drop away once again. And it's Joe Tizard, young Joe Tizard on double thriller in the yellow colours with Doran's pride upsize and uh, Lorcan Wire on simply dashing towards the outside. Unsinkable boxer just made no response at all turning past the stands as now they gallop on towards the water jump. And it's double thriller and Doran's pride in the noseband. Simply dashing on the outside, the three leaders there. Seymour Business was awkward. Go Ballistic landed in fifth place then. Florida Pearl is making headway under Richard Dunwoody. And unsinkable boxer's been pulled up as they clear this open ditch and there three in the air once again together the back marker now is Senor Elbertruti and it's simply dashing from Doran's pride is being pushed along double thriller and they take this plane one go ballistic mistake Seymour business Florida Pearl is getting a bit closer then Escarta Feig and Addington Boy as they climb now towards this big open ditch it's six from the finish in the 1999 Tote Gold Cup double thriller and simply dashing take it together from go ballistic and Doran's pride with Florida Pearl getting much closer now moves into sixth place spot the red 
jacket and now they continue on towards another plane fence Doran's pride is very hard driven and it's double thriller on the inside of simply dashing as they take this one go ballistic in third Seymour business then Florida Pearl Doran's pride struggling to keep up with them now in sixth place as it's a Paul Nichols one two double thriller and Seymour business with go ballistic Florida Pearl then simply dashing and Doran's pride trying to fight back as they go to the fence at the top of the hill it's four out and it's double thriller on the inside of go ballistic Seymour business simply dashing clouted it hard Florida Pearl in fourth still just close enough but to the bookmakers right their own results go ballistic Tony Dobbin in the diamond jacket leading two on the inside double thriller red colors of Florida Pearl getting closer now Dawn Run did the business for the Mullins family and Florida Pearl is traveling well Seymour business Mick Fitzgerald's big run on the outside in green it's between three now and as they make the final turn it's go ballistic in the lead here comes Florida Pearl who uh, Richard Dunwoody tries to ride but on the outside Seymour business is the one that's putting in the finish as they head for home in the Tote Cheltenham Gold Cup and it's Go Ballistic, a rank outsider who has it to in second place Seymour Business, that was two out and it's Go Ballistic in the lead but Seymour Business under Mick Fitzgerald is having a magic run the horse is under pressure but they'll jump the lead jump disputed at the last Go Ballistic and Seymour Business in the air together and it's Seymour Business who was carried out last time he's in a big drive position Mick Fitzgerald on Seymour business go ballistic and honest horse in second place it's coming back for more florida pearl is beaten in third but at the line it's seymour business seymour business is the winner to go ballistic in second florida pearl is third double thriller is in four and then addington boy comes in five simply dashing in a scar fig in the end doran's pride dropped out right away senior albertruti completed the lineup and so at 16 to 1 the winner of this the tote cheltenham golf is number eight on the card Seymour Business in the colours of Mr Paul Barber trained by Paul Nichols who up to this year had a winner well that was Mick Fitzgerald winning the 1999 Cheltenham Gold Cup on Seymour Business trained by Paul Nichols owned by Paul Barber well I managed to track down jockey Mick Fitzgerald and this is what Mick had to say about his memories of riding Seymour Business that day um, hi Mick, well thanks for coming on the show What do you remember about 1999 and Seymour Business? I can remember being excited at having a good ride in the Gold Cup um, Obviously he was an outsider because his form had dipped a little bit And I can remember going to, to school him And I rode him over three fences and he was horrible over two of them and he jumped the ditch really really well yeah and paul said to me paul nichols said to me he said look he said i've been toying with the idea of putting blinkers on him the owners were both there john keatley and paul barber uh-huh. and, I, and i and he said what do you think and i said well put them on and see what you think so we put the blinkers on him wound them up a little bit because the the, the blinkers had done that and got him a bit revved yeah and he went up over the fences like well like a different horse yeah and he was just like he was like somebody just flicked the switch on him <laughs> and i said to paul i said wow it's like it really is like a different horse and so he feels you know a different class with the blinkers on because he's jumping and starts to get very sloppy yeah um 
So I then galloped him round Wing Canton, and I got off him and I said to Paul Barber, I said, I'm telling you now, this horse will not be out of the money. And so the day the day came, and I think Paul's other horse was uh, Double Thriller. I think it was Double Thriller. Was it yeah. the race? Yeah. That was very fancied. Um, Florida Pearl was obviously favourite. Um, and I can remember jumping off on Seymour and just straight away, you know, he got into a really good rhythm. And yeah. I cannot tell you enough times how important it is. It doesn't matter whether it's the new course or the old course at Cheltenham. If you've got a horse who's out of sync, you will not win. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's really important to just get into a nice flow. And he did. And like all the way around, I was thinking, you know, this is all going really well. And, you know, I'd had a good week. Yeah. I'd won a champion chase the day before for Paul. And I'd won the Triumph Hurdle uh, on the Thursday as it was then. So, you know, I'd already ridden two winners at yeah. the festival. So I was riding with plenty of confidence. And, yeah. You know, horses feel that. Yeah, yeah. And it just, it just, you know, it's sort of one of those in a race where you're watching the moment, but you can't really believe you're travelling that well. And I can remember going to four out and landing over it and thinking right now we're going to start racing I can remember looking at Florida Pearl on my inside and thinking he's travelling very well Yeah. and I can just remember running downhill to the third last and when we landed over the third last I watched Woody give him a squeeze Yeah. and he didn't pick the bridle up straight away and I thought then I thought he's beat Florida Pearl and that it was then that I literally that I literally said, Right, I'm off. Yeah. Yeah. And I basically kicked kicked around the bed for home. And I can remember straightening up and running to the second last and thinking, It's very long, but you are coming. Yeah. And I drilled him down to it and he like he he jumped it really nicely. And then it was goal ballistic was on my inside and I'd actually won. I think I won six on him. Oh, right. Well, you and knew him well then. I knew him really well, and I thought, well, I'm going to beat him. Yeah. Because I'll finish better than him. Yeah. And I, went, well, I can remember going to the last, and I couldn't shake Go Ballistic off, and I thought, he is not giving up Go Ballistic. And I thought, well, he, he'll he keep galloping. And I was surprised that he was still there. Yeah, yeah. Because we were rattling down to the last. And I can remember, I need you to jump this or we ain't going to win. Mm. And I basically just head down. And it's one of those things, you know, as a rider that you just, you're praying the stride is going to be there yeah. because you are 100% committed. And, you know, he was 100% committed and he answered my call. You know, when we landed over the last, it was a, a bit of a punishing climb to the line. And I always think that what you've got to look at at Cheltenham especially is how quickly it takes horses to pull up. Yeah. That gives you an idea of how much they've got left in the tank. Yeah. And yeah. he pulled up very quickly. Did he? Yeah, yeah. Because he'd give me everything. Well, you can't ask for more than that, can you? Give you everything? No. 
No, but that's you know that's what makes Cheltenham so special is that you know the nearly horses, the ones that don't go through the pain barrier. They very often get found out round there. Yeah, yeah, quite. Yeah, those horses that go above and beyond are the ones that come back there time and time again. And like he was one of those horses that you know he ran some he ran some great races for me. Like I won a King George on him. I won you know Martel Chase on him. You know I won Mm. two Charlie Halls on him. Like he was a very good horse. But he the one thing he was was brave. And he he was a real stayer, and like he he dug deep because he he wasn't overly big, but while he lacked in size, he made up for in heart. And you know, when you've got a horse like that on your side at Cheltenham, when you turn for home, you know you've got a chance. Brilliant, Mick. That is absolutely brilliant. Thank you ever so much for that. Well, there we go. That was ITV Racing's Mick Fitzgerald there and former jockey. And he actually rode Seymour Business to win the 1999 Cheltenham Gold Cup. Right. Well, it's time to catch up with our friends at Bresbit. And Sam's on the line. Good morning, Sam. How are you? Hi, Ray. How are you doing? I'm not bad. Thank you, mate. Yeah, not too bad, you know. Plodding on. Looking forward to Manchester United whipping uh, Middlesbrough tonight. Oh, you hope so. <laughs> so, have we got any good Bresbet offers this weekend? I mean, yeah, we've got um, a very stacked weekend of horse racing. Real, realistically, obviously, we had Cheltenham Trials Weekend last week, and we've got the Dublin Racing Festival this week. I would expect to see some real shakers in the Antipodes market coming off the back of these two days, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, quite. There's some good fields, though, isn't there, over in the Dublin Festival, though? That's oh, brilliant. It's one of the things the Irish definitely do right. There's, there's not many three or four runner races, especially in the big races. We, we look like we've got some proper racing to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what offers have you got on? Anything specific? So we've got a nice little double set up for tomorrow. Um, a Willie Mullins double. We've got Vauban in the Spring Juvenile Hurdle, which is the grade one. And Facile Vega in the Goth Future Stars Grade Two. Right. We, we're pushing. We're pushing that double to four to one. Which, yeah. Which should put the best price out there. The we, we've concentrated on the youngsters for these. They're both the same trainer in Willie Mullins now. Facile Vega is a, a daughter of Quivega, which won the Mayor's Hurdle a few times at Cheltenham. Right. Real, real top notch, top notch mare, and it looks like she might have thrown one that, that has the potential to be just as good. Yeah, well, I mean, the whole meeting, though, when you look at it, it's almost a, a private racing session for Gordon Elliott and, and Willie Mullins, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd definitely expect those two to share share the, the majority of the winners. Uh, Paul Nichol sends a couple over. We've got yeah. Frode on going tomorrow in the Irish Gold Cup. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think he's quite a Gold Cup horse in England. But the three-mile half a furlong probably suits him a little bit more than the the three-mile three at Cheltenham does. Yeah, I think I so think Bryony Frost got to hang on to him a bit harder this time because she let him run rather loose. I thought last time. Yeah, I mean she gave him a great ride at Down Royal, and then the the King George was a bit of a strange race. Obviously, we had the outside of the field women in Tornado Flyer, which kind of gives you a good mark that the Irish are mob hands again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's, he's the kind of horse he, he likes it his own way. But I think they, they might just have tweaked that if you don't like him have his own way, he's not quite the same horse. Yeah, quite. And Bresbet's also having a look at the uh, the rugby. Yeah, we've got the start of the Six Nations tomorrow. Um, 
I wouldn't say it's my sport of choice. However, any any kind of competitive sport wets the palate. And we've got two big fixtures. We've got Ireland v Wales and Scotland v England tomorrow. Yeah. Now, what we've done is we've boosted Ireland and England both to win their games from eleven to ten out to eleven to eight. So a nice little boost there that that, that could well land. Well, they could do, but being a Welshman, I should be shouting for Wales, mate. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you it, go. It looks very competitive. I mean, in recent times, um, the the gap seems to have narrowed, even to Italy, who are kind of well-established sixth place in the tournament. The the gap definitely seems to have narrowed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So all these offers then are on the specials page, are they on the website? They'll be on the specials page on our website, and they'll also be chock full through the day as well as other things. Yeah, good. Okay, sir. Well, that's great. That's, uh, listeners will be diving into that a lot, hopefully. And um, let's hope we have some good good sport over the weekend. Excellent. You have a good weekend, mate. And you, Sam. Thank you very much. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Bye-bye. Well, there we have all the Bresbet offers for this weekend, especially focusing on the Dublin Racing Festival. So if you want to get in touch with Bresbet, go to their website. Go to their website, which is www.bresbet.com. Well, now it's time to catch up with the cheeky chappy himself. Of course, it's Colin Brown. Well, good morning, Colin. How are you this morning? In good form, thanks very much indeed, AD. We've, uh, we've had a little bit of snow, early doors, rain, snow, now sunshine. And, you know, the spring flowers are coming up through. And uh, all the birds outside on the bird table look like they're enjoying themselves. They've got plenty to eat. That's All okay, the dogs then. are sleeping after a nice run. Yeah. Um, so everything couldn't be better, really, you have to say, because, you know, what you have to think is we're a lot luckier than a lot of people, probably. So, yeah, no, everything's fine. Good. Okay, and we're starting off, I gather, at the uh, Dublin Festival, are we? The Dublin Festival at Lehorstown. Right. Have I, got sp- have I got to speak Irish for this enough? Uh, no, I don't think so. Your uh, English voice is bad enough. <laughs> thank you that's alright thank you that's alright that's alright right. there's some great racing out there they put up some great prize money it really is oh gosh I mean it really is it's just fantastic um, prize money and there's a stable staff bonus as well so if mm. they win one of these races out there and yeah it goes on to win at Charlton a stable staff bonus so can't be bad, can it, really? It's no, very, very no. good. Excellent. Right. Right. First race. First race is the thir- three, uh, 105, 1305. Um, that's a good little race, but I think it'll probably go to Hollow Games from the Gordon Elliott Yard, uh, ridden by Davy Russell. It's beaten a few of these before. Looks progressive. Um, I think it'll take the beating, uh, to be honest. Okay. Uh, now it's back to two and three quarter miles um i think it'll be well suited today now there are some very good races there's some real good racing out there and um gordon elliott's horse um runs in the second race here called phil door um they think this is better then there are other triumph hurdles, which I tipped up last weekend, which won around about six to four at uh, Cheltenham, called the Pied Piper. Yeah, and was. if it is, well, yeah, one well, I mean, it's a good yeah. horse, that. But this, this horse, um, 
I think again, will win. Phil Dor. Mm-hmm. It's uh, trained by Gordon Elliott, um, trained by some construction company, and it hacked up on Boxing Day. And he thinks it's better than the other horse that um, won the other day. Oh. So it's unbeaten in three races. So, you know, I'd say it's pretty good. Sounds that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Phil Dor, number two at Leopardstown. Okay. Um, right, the 410 at Leopardstown. It's the Arkle Novices Chase. It's a good meeting, this really, because. Hang on a minute. The four way, five 410, there isn't a 410. Oh, 1410. Sorry, I'm looking at these um, 24 ah, hour clocks now. Right, 210, right. 210. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, two, 210. A really, really good race. Um, you've got a decent horse in there, Saints. Saint Sam, uh, trained by Mullins, and uh, Rachel Blackmore takes the ride there. Town End rides Blue Lord for Manure and Isaac Swede, but bad luck on old um, Daryl Jacob because uh, I suppose he would have ridden this. Yeah. It fell behind Appreciate It in the Supreme last year. Um, no chance because the window was clear, but it would have been placed, and that was pretty good form. And it's called Blue Lord, and I think that will probably win the four, the two ten at um, at uh, Leopardstown. Okay, great track, Leopardstown. I years ago I used to be in awe of the um, Irish Sweeps hurdle. It was always a top class hurdle. I remember Richard Lindley winning it once on one for Toby Boarding. Called, gosh, the name's gone out of my head now, but. Um, I actually went over there when, when Labrooks took it over in 1987. Um, I won the inaugural running on a horse called Barnbrook again. It was quite good back in the day. And it's just a great race, to, great race course to go to and a great yeah. race to win. Sounds it, yeah. Right, on to the 315, the Paddy Power Irish Gold Cup. It's a grade one. What wins it? Crikey, it's a good race. You've got Froden goes out there. Well, he went far too fast. Um, or him and Bryony Frost went too fast in the King George and got beaten. Um, and it also in the King George uh, at Kempton, um, Asterion Falange uh, ran in the King George and fell. Um, it was travelling pretty well um, fell at the last and I think he'll probably win to be honest I think Froden had a hard race that day so I'm going to go Asterion for Lange not the easiest horse to win with sometimes but he ain't a bad horse and um, he's got some real good form so that's my selection in the 3.15 right um, after that I'm going to leave Ireland I think and um I think we'll come back to England and have a look at a bit of English racing. If you want one out there in Ireland, like in the 425 Little Horse called Fasal V Vega, that hacked up at Leopardstown in its only national flatness over two miles, um, I'd say that'll probably win. It's well bred. And um, I would say it'll probably win. It's Willie Mullins, but it's about five to four on. So when we get back to England, I think we're going to go flat racing. Is that all right? Yes, all right with me. Okay, I like flat racing as well as the jump racing. And um, so where are we going, Lingfield? I think we're going to Lingfield. Ah, uh, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah let's go to Lingfield. Fine. Okay. In the first race there, um, was 
favourite on the horse called Aljao. But I think that Peerless Piercy, Percy can win this. Holly Doyle rides it. It's about 11 to 4 on my book at the moment. And it's trained by Ali Strange. Good little trainer, actually, not too far from here. It was a good second of 14 at Newcastle last time. Before that, what at Newcastle? Might have just needed its last race. And uh, I think it looks handicapped well enough to win today. We've got some good racing at Linkfield today because we've got the Derby there. And it's always a race that I love going to. I, I like attending this meeting, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. And um, it's uh, it's some very competitive racing. Um, right. On to the, on to the uh, handicap at four, 251. Um, I'm having a look at now. It's quite mm-hmm. a competitive little handicap. Um, Radeski runs in the race, and that's uh, that's ridden by Holly Doyle, deputised Tyler Hurd. Ooh, is it? Is trained by P- uh, David Evans. That's uh, he's secured Ryan Moore's services here, and he's not a bad sort of horse. Uh, ooh, is it? But say it's quite a competitive. Whoops competitive little race and I think it'll probably win Ryan Moore rides it, it's called Who Is It? And that okay. is in the 251. we got the Winter Derby Trial now, always an interesting race Richard Hannon's got Fancy Man in the race, he had some pretty solid form last year, he won three of his nine races um, King of the South ridden for uh, William Knight owned by Mr. Safe Alley. Uh, another horse that's just been win, 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 win. It looks a bit of an improver. And Al Zaraquan, Holly Doyle rides for Archie Watson here. Again, quite an improver. So, which one wins the races? I think I am going to go for King of the South. It's about four to one. It's trained by William Knight. Good trainer. Trains in Newmarket. Callum Shepherd takes the ride. I think this could win the Winter Derby trial. It's a listed race, but, you know, it is a good one. But yeah. um, he looks to me a bit of an improver. And sometimes, you know, this time of the year, you've got to be looking at horses that have just, um, you know, hit form, which what this one has, and uh, I don't think it'll be too far away. Now, in the four o'clock, it's the, the catchy stakes. Poor old catchy. He lost his life. He broke his leg down at Lingford, but he was a great racehorse and he loved racing. And this is a listed um, sprint race. I think Ryan Moore can ride the winner here on a horse called Rohan. Um, quite well beaten at Ascot on pretty soft ground, but before that fifth at the Curra in a decent race. He's a horse that won at Royal Ascot in June. He won the Wokingham. So Rohan, again for David Evans, and um, he has secured the services of no better jockey in the world than Ryan Moore. So, Rohan for me. Now we're going to move to Sandown, listeners. Sandown Park. Let's just see how Mary is as well. Mary will be listening in, Nady, as always. I'm she sure said she last will. Week, she said last week you put me on a little bit late, she says. And I don't know, she was some, probably just having a little whiskey nightcap or something like sherry or something like that. And she <laughs> missed it. She missed uh, it. So she said, you put me on very late. Is that so that, you know, you get rid of all, get all the good people on first and get me on last just to bore everybody or what? No, no, we try and get all the bad people on first and you on last because you're good. <laughs> I don't think 
so <laughs> anyhow mary if you're listening let's hope um you're enjoying yourself and um let's start with the virgin bet novices hurdle at sandown park one of my favorite tracks and uh i love working at sandown but i'm not there tomorrow to be honest there's a certain tipster going around who undercuts a few people price-wise uh, to be honest um it's a bit naughty really in oh. our game you yeah. know we try and be nice and level and yeah. so you know some of these tracks go for the cheaper option because it's all about the price they say it's all about saving money mm. i wouldn't agree with that but there we go there anyhow we go. first race here henderson will win this with a horse called uh Bal- balco um second at otoy in may second at otoy in april he's got some pretty nice form i think you take the meeting so mm. that's in our first race on the card and that is um that is horse called bell kill but the one he has to beat, probably, is shall we have one more? This horse, you know, he thought it was an absolute machine. But he got well beaten by Constitution Hill here last time. Um, heavy ground. I don't know. I, I think, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll just go along with the Henderson horse because shall we have one more was disappointing last time. Although it was a good race. And the second horse came out and ran a good race behind John Bond the other week. We shall see. Anyhow, I'm going to go for the uh, the horse trained by um, Enson. Right, on to the 115th handicap chase. And this is going to race as well. What wins it? I'm going to go for a horse um, of Ollie Murphy rides for Diana Watley. has some nice horses in train. Ollie Murphy trains it. Coleman rides it. One at Sandown on the 8th of January. It's called Gunsight Ridge. I think this is just a little bit of an improver. It's gone up a few pounds, five pounds of that. And uh, there's a few in the race, like Dolus and Hatcher and one or two. They're probably maybe, you know, haven't got as much improvement as this one has. So that Bundor and he beat here, he takes them on again. I'm going to go for him anyhow. Gunsight Ridge in the 115 at Sandown Park. Okay. Uh, the, the contenders are the listed race at uh, one fifty. Well, Goshen turns up, and the more rain, the better. To be honest, he has been a bit of a disappointing horse. You have to say, but he wasn't beaten too far at Lingfield behind brewing up a storm last time out. Uh, that wasn't a bad run, really. Um, I'm going to give him another chance. He mm. was bumped before the last, lost second on the road. I'm going to go Goshen, round about three to one, to win the 150 at Sandown. Well, I shan't be doing right. that one. Why not? You don't like Goshen? Well, I've lost too much money on him up to now. So, do you know, when, it, when, when I did my Cheltenham um, previews, when was it? Two years ago now, I said the biggest certainty ever to run at Cheltenham is Goshen. He won't be beaten. And on the day, I ended up having four hundred pounds on it, four to one. So <laughs> going to the last, I'm thinking, here we are, sixteen hundred quick. Thank you very much indeed. And he fell. Yeah, and he's not re- not really impressed since, is he? No, he hasn't. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely. Venetia right. Williams' horse is like a bit of soft ground, and in the 2.20, a horse called La Hombres, I think will win again. That's about five to six favourite, but I think it will win again. And then the 2.55, 
John Joe O'Neill's just got that um, cross-country chaser, chaser, easy land. He was second at Tiger Roll last year, and he's given him a little run over um, over hurdles today just to get him fit for the festival and protect his handicap. Um, but there's one horse that I think could run a big race at a big price today, and it's trained by um, Harry Fry. It's got 25 to 1, it's called If the Cap Fits. Mm-hmm. He's a bit better than you. He's a bit better than some of these, to be honest. And he did a good bit of work the other day. Um, and he's ridden by Ben Bromley, who claims seven pounds for the manures. And I reckon he's got a chance. So I'm going to go each way if the cap fits. And um, we've got 19 runners. So you can back him each way. With some of the firms, you can back him to be in the first six, probably get about 10 to 1. So I think that's not a bad bet. Okay. The, 3.30, the Masters Handicap Chase. What wins this one? Uh, Real Steel's been, I must say, a bit of a disappointment coming out from Ireland. Cat Course was withdrawn the other day. I think they sort of had their eye on this race. And horse called Dees Arbor, also a winner here at Sandown Park last February. In fact, it was this race that he won last year after 137 with Richard Dodson in the saddle. He's up. Five pounds to 142, but I don't think he'll be far away. They're my two against the field. Put them in the forecast. Two and three in the 3.30 at Sandown. Desaba and Cap Course, 7 to 1, 15 to 2. They're not bad prices, I must say. Not bad prices. Um, I'm going to leave the last race as a handicap. Looks quite competitive. Um, we'll leave it alone, I think. So, listeners, that is it for now. Okay. Well, let's hope we get a few winners. Well, let's hope so. You had you had four last week, so you're slightly going up again now. So that's good. Good sign. Oh, good. Yeah. On up. That's what I like to hear, boss. Yeah, you had that's eleven. Like hear, yeah. You had eleven to eight, nine to one, five oh, to cool. six, and eight to fifteen. So that wasn't too bad. And you had two seconds no. as well. So. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you're you. obviously improving a little bit. Yeah, I'm getting them good, aren't I? Yeah. Not at all. Indeed, you are, dear boy. Lovely. Good. Uh, lovely. So where are you off All today right. then? You're off racing this afternoon, are you? No, I'm not racing today. All oh, right. Until Monday, to be honest. Yeah. Ah, right. So a couple of days are easy. Yeah. Okay. Good. Right. Well, thank you, Colin. That's uh, excellent stuff. And we will speak to you next week. Look forward to it. Look forward to it. We're getting near Cheltenham now, aren't we? Wow. Yeah. Mm. Oh, six weeks away, but. Good. It soon builds up. Yeah. And. Um, if you know, if, uh, if any uh, any of the listeners want to go to any of the chop previews, I'm sure they'll all be printed out the racing post too. Um, I've got three that I'm doing. One's at uh, a place called um, it's a place called Kingham. It's a pub called the Wild Rabbit, owned by Lady Bamford, JCB, sponsors of the Triumph Hurdle, and uh, it's a lovely place to go. Great food, lovely restaurant, and there'll be Charlie Brooks. Uh, Fergal O'Brien, Tom Lacey. And then he was gone. Well, thank you, Colin. We'll speak to you next week. Well, now, regulars, listeners of the show will know we've been running a competition here on Three Valleys Radio's racing show in conjunction with our sponsors, Bresbet. And the prize was a £50 free bet plus a day out at the races, uh, courtesy of Bresbet at Utoxeter. And we've now got four winners, would you believe? And I will give you the names now, in reverse order. First of all, we've got Mr. Dave Wilson from Yeovil. 
and Mr Peter Foster from Yeovil, Mr Callum Gould, well from Yeovil but he's at university I know at the moment, in uh, Liverpool I think, and Mr Sam Collard. So you guys will all be hearing from Bresbet very shortly with full details of your day out at the races at Utoxeter, which is planned for Tuesday the 29th of March. But I'm sure that when Bresbeck get in touch with you shortly, they will give you all the details then. So thanks for entering the competition. Hopefully we'll have some more coming along very shortly. And now it's time to have our weekly trip up to Lambourne and have a chat with Jamie Snowden and see what sort of a week he's had. Well, good afternoon, Jamie. You, um, you seem to have had a bit of a quiet week this week. Is that fair to say? Yeah, um, <laughs> we've had two runners in, in two weeks, basically. Yeah. It's been, it's been, it has been quiet on the racing front, but obviously... Um, uh, we got a lot of um, the sort of softer ground horses ready to go, and obviously it's it's there hasn't been any rain at all really in the last couple of weeks, so it's very dry. Yeah, I mean, what what does a stable do when you're in a situation like that where you've only got you know two runners in two weeks or whatever? I mean, what what do you do to amuse yourself? Um, <laughs> there's still plenty of work to be done at home, but uh, no, there's yeah, so there's there's still still plenty of horses to go out and be exercised every morning or what have you. So life yeah. life carries on here. Um, as normal, but um, but yeah, obviously the, the the runners front has been yeah, it's what we had night. We've been ticking away gently, but I mean generally still. I was looking if I can find it. Where is it? Seventy um, percent of horses running up to form in the last fourteen days. <laughs> Stats I have they have representing Bob was obviously only just touched off the other day at Plumpton. He ran well. Yeah. Um, President Valley wasn't beaten and won at Musselburgh on Saturday. Um, might might have one one or two on Monday perhaps, um, and then yeah, hopefully. The the end of next week there might be a bit of rain and we might be able to run a few well, about snow on, on the internet I, I saw this afternoon i don't know but um muscle pro a long way to go isn't it long way to go um yeah kiltilly briggs will go up there it's a class clean novice chase 20 grand race it, 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 it the novice chase is if you don't win then you then you won't go up in the handicap and and he's he's rated 137 and the plan is to go to um, Cheltenham for the for the Ultima. Um, so uh, there's some decent prize money on offer. If he did win, it's a twenty thousand pound race, and and yes, he would go up in the handicap. But it's over two and a half, and you'd love to think there's some proof in him over three. Yeah. So it's a kind of shot shot to nothing almost. Right. Well, you know, if you win twenty grand, now it'll be a, a very good shot to nothing. So let's hope he does. Um, how how exactly. are your how are your horses generally for uh, from a Cheltenham point of view? How are they looking? The ones you've got earmarked for Cheltenham, are they looking okay? Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, Kiltilly Briggs hopefully is going to go to the Ultima. Um, mm. Stony Mountain will go for the for the Potemps final. Yeah. Um, I would have thought up for Pro will probably get, try and go to the Coral Cup, um, and then we've got a, we've got a couple of other ent- entered into um, into into the Grade One novices. Um, whether they go or not is a different matter, but we got Mildam entered in the Triumph. Um, he'll have an entry in the in the Boodles Fred Winter as well. Um, Hardy Desoy, he's he's in a couple of races, but I think we'll probably try, probably end up going to Air or or entry with him. Mm. Um, then we've got uh, what else? Anything for loves in the Mayor's Race, Git Makers in the Ballymore. Um, but yeah, they, they, those are still question marks hanging over them. Really, it depends on on how they get on in their next runs. But I think the three will probably definitely go for the, yeah. go for the uh, go for the handicaps. But in terms of their own sort of fitness and health and everything, they're all they're all tickety boo and sort of you know waiting to go really. Yeah, 
No, really, yeah, all, all, all fit and well and healthy, and and uh, yeah, thankfully the whole the whole string are in, in good order. But um, yeah, I suppose we've been we have been fairly fairly busy throughout the whole of whole of the season, really, from from May all the way through to now. So I suppose um, a, a slight lull is not going to do anyone any harm. Um, mm. But no, the horses are in great form themselves. We'll just uh, wait for the right races to to appear and run them again. Well, good luck this weekend, Jamie. I hope you have a good uh, couple of winners there, anyway, and. Um... Yeah, we'll talk to you next week, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah, great stuff. Thanks, Eddie. Excellent. Thanks, Jamie. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that was Jamie Snowden, and he's sounding pretty um, confident about the way things are going at the moment. And now we're going to talk to somebody who is definitely confident, and that is Mr Nick Schofield. Okay, well, hi, Nick. It's nice to talk to you again. Um, I was going to start by talking to you about Santini, but I've got to start with 600 winners. That must have been a real pleasure for you. Yeah, it's a great milestone to reach. Um, hopefully, we've got a few more left, but um, 600 is a good number. Yeah. Um, I think we've had a few in Ireland and um, 50 point pointing and a few amateurs. So, um, we're, we're, we're banging in the numbers. So, um, hopefully, we're not finished yet. Well, I'm sure you're not, but uh, I bet it gave you a real buzzer, didn't it, when you hit that number? Uh, I didn't know until Hayley Moore on Sky Sports told me. So, um, yeah, no, it was a bit of a shock, but yeah, it's a good milestone that we'll keep kicking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you keep it going. Um, but going back to Santini, now I, I watched the race and you obviously were there on the race. Um, yeah, I thought he ran ever so well, and you know, I, you were very unlucky not to come up and win the race. Yeah, exactly that. Um, First and foremost, great to get the ride. I'm a high-profile ride horse like him. Thanks yeah. to Polly Gundry and Mr. Kelvin Hughes. So, um, but yeah, look, former Gold Cup second, if you know, very close not to win. Um, and look, we, we're back on the right road, as it were. He's, he's showing a bit of form now, and um, I think we can we can improve him again. So, um, yeah, we go to, to the Gold Cup, uh, all being well. Um, you know, we're the sporting chance, I think. And and you're gonna be able to retain the ride, do you think? Well, I, I hope so. Um, that was the plan. Um, yeah. Um, before that's why I sort of rode him before. Um, rode him in the Cotswold Chase. Um, Harry Skelton um, rode him the time before, and Nicky Bombo was on um, Chantry House. So um, yeah, no, it's um, luckily for me that was the case. So um, grateful for that and. Um, yeah, no, I really enjoyed riding him. Got a great ride off him, and um, we weren't far off winning. So um, I think we can get it better again. And uh, but it should have done his confidence at the world of good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it'd be one to watch. And I think he'd be a fair price in the Gold Cup as well. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, he's he's certainly. Um, it, <laughs> England haven't got a great. Um, you know, the Irish are quite dominant in that division at the moment. So it's a sort of. Um, have one with a you know little little chance anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, this weekend, have you got much on? Uh, you know, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, some nice rides. Um, uh, start off with Fugitive in the Grade One. Obviously, very competitive race, Grade One race. He has a bit to find on ratings. Um, yeah. he's, he won last time out. Um, he's won two chases. He deserves his go at a Grade One. Um, an outside chance if all goes well if not it's good prize money down for pacings and then um, five star getaway in the good handicap three mile chase and he should have a very good chance Um, he'll like conditions more rain the better for him Um, again a very competitive race Uh, Venetia Williams will be hard to beat Um, but he goes there he was very impressive 
Kempton day after Boxing Day, and um, yeah, so um, yeah, we got some live chances hopefully Saturday and possibly in Leopardstown on Sunday um, for the Dublin Racing Festival. So um, yeah, busy enough weekend. Absolutely, yeah. Is it concerning you though that the, the lack of rain? I mean, we're still not getting much rain, are we? Uh, the ground's still very tiring. It's, it's still very hard work. Um, yeah, look, it's abnormal. You know, it's a bit drier than it is normally this year, but it's the same for everyone. I suppose the horses find it a bit easier because it's not quite as hard work for them. But it's yeah. certainly not like good. It's not like riding on good ground in May or June. You know, it's still mm. plenty of moisture there. Well, look, mate, you have a good weekend. Few winners, and um, yeah, we'll yeah try best. we shall uh, keep our fingers crossed for you. Thanks for talking to us, Nick. Thanks, Eddie. Cheers for now. Bye-bye. Well, that was Nick Schofield, and coming up, we've got Milton Harris. Well, Milton, thanks very much for joining us. Um, You haven't got a great deal of runners over the weekend, as far as I can see, but uh, can you give us a bit of help on which ones are likely to win and and, um, run well? Okay, well, it's a quiet week, and we've had a couple of runners this week, three or four, horses have run well. Um, I think at the weekend, we're going to be, as you say, quiet. We've got a busy week next week. We run uh, Hasty Parisian at Doncaster. The entries will be out tomorrow. I believe. Yeah. Uh, he's a nice horse. Um, we expect him to go close and he's improving all the time. He will improve for a step up in trip, but um, he definitely uh, is worth a consideration up at Doncaster. Right. We've got global agreement entered in a few places. He wants a bit of rain. And Rosie Redlam, which is probably a horse I mentioned on the programme going back a while, she's due to run either at Huntington on. Uh, the 10th or newbie on the 12th and she seems to be uh, you know one of our better horses with a future going forward um, hopefully for one of the championship bumpers you know is the um, is the lack of rain causing you you know any problems at all because it's been still very dry hasn't it well not particularly for us and Alan King was at the races today and he sort of mentioned that I mean I think a lot, you know we don't have an awful lot of what I would call very very stoutly bred national hunt horses mm. um a lot of hours of flat horses are gun jumping, and so consequently, um, it's a slightly different. For example, the champion trainer he has a lot of national end horses, so his his horses probably could do with a bit more rain than some of ours. But look, the ground at Wincanton today was nice ground. Uh, you wouldn't want it any quicker, and it's surprising that we're in February, aren't we? And you, you, you know, we've had yeah. for, for, for an early February, we've had very mild winter pretty much and, and probably a drier winter than normal so looking at the, the the four runners you've got on no one two three four two yeah four runners you've got on um on monday um Wait, which ones are they on monday i'm looking at now uh fault well you've got uh global agreement and then well you don't do run if we got a bit of rain yeah uh pyramid a pyramid place well, he won't run. He's just had a little cough this morning. So, um, again, he's a horse best with a bit of cut, but he just had a little cough this morning, so we've just given him a bit longer. Yeah. Um, Victoria's Peak? She, she had a cough this morning, unfortunately, so she won't run. Right. Uh, well, that's the last one, I think. So, um, and then... so I, I think our best chances for, for the listeners are uh, Hasty Parisian, Doncaster in the week, and Rosie Redwin, wherever she runs. I would say those are our best two options of the week coming up, you know? Yeah, yeah. OK, well, thank you very much for that. That's what we were looking for. And, uh, no, we'll try and find you a winner now and again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, best of luck for the week anyway, and uh, hopefully we can speak to you again next week. That's very kind of you. OK. Well, that was Milton Harris. Um, a very quiet weekend for him, which is unusual, but something for next week. But now we're going to go and catch up with Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing. OK, good evening then, Dave. How are you today? Yeah, very well, Adrian. Uh, having a nice week so far, so... Uh... The lovely, the lovely world of COVID. We're locked indoors again because the kids have been to school and brought it home and passed the COVID around. So uh, yeah, we're in for sure. another six or seven days. 
Yeah. Well, I'll keep you out of mischief anyway, won't it? Yeah, but there you go. <laughs> we can study form a little bit more than we normally do when yeah. we're uh, sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, we've got a nice weekend's uh, racing ahead. The uh, Dublin Racing Festival is on over in Leopardstown in Ireland. Uh, Paul Nichols has got some runners there. John Joe O'Neill sent a few over. So uh, we're going to have a look through the card on Saturday there, and we'll be starting with a 105. Uh-huh. And the horse we like here is Brom. Uh, owned by Simon Manier and Isaac Swade. Uh, it's going to be ridden by Paul Townsend and uh, trained by Willie Mullins. It's had two runs, two wins so far. It won a bumper at Ballin Road back in April. And then it changed stables and moved up to Willie Mullins and uh, come out and ran on the 2nd of January at Mace. And uh, it beat a horse called Killer Mode and another one that was a couple of names back behind that was Flamebearer. Now, Flamebearer came out last week in a 17-runner race and won by 12 lengths. So it shows the strength of the form. So uh, we're going to suggest a small each-way bet on it. It's priced up around about 6 to 1, so that's a 105 Brom. OK. Moving down to the 135, a horse that we really like here is Vauban. Uh, another Paul Cowland and um, Willie Mullins uh, joint connection here. Now, this fella runs second on his debut, and he got beat half a length by a horse called Pied Piper. Now, we tipped Pied Piper up last weekend at Cheltenham, and uh, he come out and absolutely destroyed the race that he was in. Yeah. So it shows a level of form that Vauban's actually capable of, of getting within half a length of him. But more to the point, Vauban was long odds on to beat Pied Piper as well. So uh, we think at the moment uh, he's priced up a six to four with bet three six five to win this race, and uh, we think he's going to be our uh, banker for the weekend. Vauban, uh, that sort of price. So uh, I'd certainly be looking to get on him and uh, see how see what he can do. And uh, I don't think the price is going to stay at six to four for too long. Okay, fine. Moving down to a two ten race, uh, one we like here is Revered. Detail. Uh, Jack Kennedy rides for Gordon, Gordon Elliott. Uh, since chasing, he's won three out of his four starts, and he got beat last time out by Fernie Hollow. Now, Fernie Hollow was a uh, very short price favourite to win the Arkle <coughs> this year at Cheltenham, but unfortunately, he's pulled up lame after a gallop last week, and he's been pulled out of the Cheltenham Festival, and his season's finished. Now, in this race, Fernie Hollow was 10 to 11, and Revere Detail was 5 to 4. So there wasn't a lot between them in the betting market and there was only a length and a half between them at the winning line as well. So obviously Rivera Detail has got a long, very strong pace in this race and very good form as well. There is three other Woody Mullins horses in the race he's got to beat, but he is priced up at 11 to 4 with Paddy Powell, which looks to be a bit of value at the moment. So uh, we're definitely going to be on him in the 210 race there. Okay. Moving down to the 245, a big handicap. Uh, one we like the chances of a little bit here, and it, it, this is a very hard race to have a bet in, so if you can have a bet in this, have a very small bet at the best. Uh, but we think the Jam Man's got a bit of a chance. He's going to be ridden by Mr. E.P. O'Brien, who's a £7 claimer, and he's trained by a guy called Ronan. McNally. Now, last time out, he came over to Warwick and he run three lengths behind Sporting John in a in a nice race there. Sporting John won the race quite nicely, and three lengths is a bit flattering. But for this sort of a race that he's in here, it gives him a good chance coming back over to Ireland. And uh, obviously, with a seven pound claim on his back this time, he's going to have a little bit more weight off of him. So we think he's got a nice each way chance there. And he'd been off the track for quite a while before he came over to England, and he's only had a couple of runs back and uh, he's priced up at 16 to 
one was Skybet, and they're paying out seven places on the race. So we think the jam man's worth having a small each way flush for on in the 245 there. Right. <laughs> Moving down to the 315, the horse that we like here is Asteron Falange. Brian Cooper takes a ride for Woody Mullins. Now, this fella's a. Well, how do you call him? He's a black cat. He, he, he falls over when he's going to win races and he, he unseats his jockey or gets. Something happens to him. He's one of them horses that he could have won at least five or six other races that he's been in and he hasn't. Uh, he unseated behind Olahau, uh, and then he tipped up in the King George when he was in second, but he was well ahead of Froden in that race, who's the market leader of uh, 315 there, the Irish big race here with uh, Froden representing Paul Nichols and Byron Frost and he's priced up at 5-1 to one. if he stays up on his feet I can see him being a very big danger to anything in the race but as I say he's one of them horses he plucks the feet out of winning winning chances so uh, <laughs> just bear in mind that one there that's the sort of horse I back all the time he's <laughs> <laughs> not the luckiest of fellas put it that way yeah. <laughs> moving down to the 350 a horse we backed this time last year over in Ireland uh, it's, it's called a wave of the sea Fitzgerald's going to be riding in for Josie Five Brian and he's a five pound claimer Mr Fitzgerald and he won a handicap at this meeting last year over 17 furlongs and he was off of a handicap mark that day of around about 128 and he's run very well over longer distances since and they're reverting him back to a shorter trip again in this race which he seems to thrive on when he comes back to around about two miles two miles one and it's something that if you look through his form car you, you'll notice that his best runs are not over three miles they're all over two miles and that's what he's got he's got two miles one over his trip here and uh We've got to remember with this fellow is a wave of the sea. He finished seventh in the Triumph Hurdle back in 2020, and he was only beaten six lengths in the race that day. So uh, he's got class over two miles, where he hasn't shown a lot of ability over three miles. But the reason I think is he goes a safe trip, and uh, he's priced up at the moment with 15 to two with William Hill. So again, he's worth having a small each way down in there. Okay, fine. Moving down to the last race on the card at Leopardstown, the 425. It's a bumper. Uh, very little form to go on, but Willie Mullins has got one in this race here, and it's called Facil Vega. Now, this is a two to one favourite to win the champion bumper at the Cheltenham Festival. Now, he's even money to win this bumper out in Ireland uh, on Saturday. So. If you if you're thinking he is the best horse of a Willie Mullins and they've already gambled him to win the champion bumper at the festival, he's, he's surely worth having a bet on even money in this race because he's not taking on the likes of American Mike and a few of the others that are in the betting with him at Cheltenham. So uh, we're certainly going to tip for Sylvega up in the last race of 4:25 there at Leopardstown. Okay, fine. Back over this side of uh, Irish Sea, we've got a few good races on this weekend. There's a Class 1 Grade 2 on at Weatherby, the 2.30 race there, and receive a return of a Hoy Senor, Derek Fox and Lucinda Russell's charge. It's slightly odds on to win this race, but it's only a four-runner race, and uh, this fellow likes to front running. He's going to get everything his own way here. Now, he he was in the race with Fiddler on the roof up at Carlisle when he unseated at the last when he was tiring and then he come out and he won a very nice race at Newbury and then he took on Brave Man's Games uh, Ask I think it was and he, he comes second to Brave Man Games by about seven lengths so he's got very very strong form and the main danger in the betting market is Sam Palais and he beat a class three field by a length and a quarter last time out although there's going to be nine pounds uh, given by a Hoy Senor to him in this race I think a Hoy Senor is going to be far superior 
with the horses that he's been running against and he's been proving it in better company. So, a horse senior in the class one, grade two at Weatherby in the 230 there. Okay. Over at Sandown, uh, there's a nice race on, uh, the 150, and we did see three of these fellas running the race at Cheltenham in December. Gigel Dreams won it by half a length from Song of Someone, and the further half a length away was Hunter's Call. Now, Song for Someone's got a £6 pull in the weights with Gigel Dream for the half a length. He got beat. Now, Hunter's Call is a very good horse, but he's very fragile as well, and he doesn't take too much running. I think he's a bit too close to, together for some of his runs, so we're going to be signing up with Song for Someone in the 150 at Sandown there. Uh, the Silly Isles Chase is on at 2.20 at Sandown, and the horse that we like there is La Homme Presse, uh, Charlie Deutsch and Venetia Williams. Now, there's, in this race, there looks to be two horses that can win it, La Homme Presse and uh, Pictori. Now, I don't like dismissing trainers out of hand at the moment, but Paul Nichols is on an absolute stinker of a run. He's had three winners in the last 43 runners, and I don't think any of his last 23 one runners have actually won. I think his last winner was uh, Danny Kerwin at Wincanton two meetings back, which obviously about 10, 10 to 14 days ago. So the Digits team are not firing on all cylinders up there at the moment, and this race looks to be between the two of them. So we're definitely going to be siding up with uh, La Homme Presse due to the current stable form of the Paul Nichols yard. So uh, we're going to be going with that one. And then uh, one last race we've got, we've looked at, uh, Sandown 255, a horse that we backed last time out, Call Me Lord. James Bowen takes a ride for Nicky Henderson. Back on the 15th of January, we backed this fella at 40 to 1. And uh, obviously we backed him each way at that big price to finish in the first six in uh, Lanzarote. And he actually finished third. He ran an absolute blinder in that race. He got shut off coming around the home turn, but still pulled, he pulled the horse out and he managed to come flying through and finish third there. Now he's priced up again at 9 to 1 with uh, most of the firms and they're playing six places on this race. So we're going to have a little roll up on Call Me Lord and see if he can uh, produce each way good for us yet again. So that's what we've got for you for the weekend, mate. And uh, obviously there's a very good card on at Leopardstown on Sunday as well with lots of Cheltenham Festival horses running there like Gallopon, Deschamps, uh, Chanson, Poursois, Grenatine, Honeysuckle, Appreciate It, My Mate Mozzie, Sir Gerhard and Pink in the Park. They're all out on Sunday at Leopardstown, so a good day's racing over there as well. So uh, that's what we've got for you. So hopefully it's actually running with the longest out line. Well, with your COVID, then you'll better sit in front of the telly and watch it all, won't you? I will, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Get a second telly. I want to watch the football at the same time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good. Well, thanks uh, for all that, David, and uh, we'll speak to you next week, mate. Lovely. Cheers, mate.